0: The Canadian healthcare system begins to crumble. I'm Marco Perry, welcome to the Perry Platform. Global News reports that doctors are saying our healthcare system has collapsed as patient surges are fueling ER closures across Canada. The first voice we hear from is Dr. Ragu Venugopal. He's an emergency room physician in Toronto and he says he believes the healthcare system is not collapsing but rather it has already collapsed and <laughs> that's pretty grim. So, surging demand, he says, has already forced emergency room closures across the country. And this is true. Take Alberta, for example. There have been 19 disruptions to ER and ambulance care facilities just since the beginning of June. A number of ER closures have happened in smaller rural hospitals, such as the Dr. Hemlockin Memorial Hospital in Clearwater, BC. Take a second to just appreciate how catastrophic this particular example is. Small rural areas typically just have one hospital, one ER option, and for those to close leaves people completely vulnerable. What, you're going to show up with an injury and not be able to be seen? That's ridiculous for a country like Canada. And there are other examples too, like Montreal's Children's Hospital, which was temporarily forced to turn patients away due to overcrowding. So, it's happening across provinces, it's happening in small rural areas, and even large hospitals like Montreal's Children's is facing problems right now. And now let's say you're fortunate enough not to encounter a full-on closure. What are you going to be dealing with? It's excessive wait times. You'll be sitting in the waiting room for hours upon hours until you're actually able to be seen. And that's just for the initial consultation. Don't get me started on wait times for operations, which ha- were always absurd, actually, even before the pandemic, but that problem has exploded tenfold. And Then, later on, the problem of staffing. Nurses, in particular, are overwhelmed by the number of orders that they're being asked to carry out. They're having to cover for people, having to look after more patients than necessary, and their licenses depend on providing proper care. That's a super stressful environment and the pandemic which has raged for years at this point is not making things easier. These factors are leading to this decline in healthcare. It's a complete tragedy that Canada is facing this problem. You would think that after years in this pandemic, government officials at multiple levels, provincial, federal, and even municipal, would have figured out how to handle surges in demand without leaving us crippled. But nothing has been done. And I do feel terribly for the people who are dealing with the real-world consequences of these inactions. People who are showing up to an ER and being told that they cannot be seen because there just isn't enough staff to deal with them. In Canada, that's a crazy thing to imagine, but that's a reality for many people across the country. I do feel bad for the staff who have been dealing with an insane burden. I do feel bad for the people who are waiting for an operation And it looks like they're going to keep on waiting, perhaps worsening their existing condition, reducing their likelihood of survival. We'll loop back to this discussion about consequences and potential solutions in a second, but now I want to move to the other person who was discussed in this article, Dr. Catherine Smart, who is the president of the Canadian Medical Association. She says that the issues driving these closures are complex, but one of the biggest issues facing us right now is a shortage of healthcare workers across Canada particularly in nursing. That's one major cause for sure. Now, another issue is that many of these patients who have been putting off seeing a physician during the pandemic are now sicker and need of more care. So, there's that age-old saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. People were scared of going to a hospital because COVID was raging. Now, perhaps they feel more comfortable doing that But an issue that could have been managed two years ago quite easily may have evolved into something more complicated, that may require more intensive care, bogging down the healthcare system. That's certainly a factor. And sometimes it isn't even the fault of the patient. Many of them were not able to get care even if they wanted to. Many procedures and treatments were put on hold. It's my prediction that in the coming years we're going to see an explosion in cancer-related negative outcomes for our community. Many people were unable to do things like get basic screening and treatment and as we know, putting things off for years when dealing with a rapidly evolving tumor is a terrible idea. In fact, things were beginning to get so ridiculous in Canada that many people were looking elsewhere for treatment. Citizens of Canada had to go to America and Europe and elsewhere to find doctors who would treat them and not be denying them due to COVID restrictions. Dr. Catherine Smart then runs out her list by saying, of course, the 7th wave of COVID-19 is also complicating matters right now. And it isn't just the 7th wave, it's the 6th, 5th, 4th, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st, they all compounded and did damage to our system. Now, obviously, things go up and they go down. As you are in the middle of a wave, things are going to be more challenging. As you exit the wave, capacity begins to free up. But, this is a predictable pattern. It's happened 7 times already in Canada. But still, we're woefully unprepared. We're here with ER closures with our hands up in the air, acting as if it's the first wave and we couldn't predict that cases were going up and it would cause strains on the system. That's ridiculous. And here's a secret. You don't have to be a fortune teller to know that this is going to happen again. That when the fall rolls around and the winter rolls around and the inevitable 8th wave of COVID-19 occurs, we're going to find ourselves in a strained position once more. Now in terms of solution, I don't have the exact answer, but the diagram is pretty clear. What do we need? We need expanded capacity that is flexible and easily scaled. That is, scaled up when we need it to be, and scaled down when we don't. The basic facts of the equation here is that COVID is running rampant, but it does that at different frequencies. During a wave, of course, you need more staff. You need more capabilities and capacity to accommodate for the influx in ER and hospital demand. But, when that COVID wave wanes, you can dial back a little bit. It's a complete waste of resources to be operating at a 100% capacity all the time. But, we do have to be able to go beyond that when required, and to move down when not. Now, how this would work out, there are many ways to conceptualize that, but the basic formula is crystal clear. The fact that the government has done nothing in this regard is astounding. Solutions might manifest themselves in terms of a part-time workforce, or getting student co-ops more involved when waves are happening, or importing talent from abroad when needed. There are obviously pros and cons to each methodology here, but we should be able to have this figured out by now. Now, Deloitte did issue a report highlighting some reasons why advanced economies struggled so much with their hospital settings, and the reasons are quite compelling. The first is that there's been a shift in focus. Things have changed from things like communicable diseases to things that are non, such as diabetes and cardiovascular conditions. That's how health trends have moved in Canada and America and Europe, for example. Second, There's been a shift to driving efficiency, shifting care from from hospitals to outpatient settings, but the outpatient settings are not equipped like the hospital ERs for example. So when all of that has been outsourced and the hospital setting has eroded to some degree, when a big boom happens, you obviously cannot handle that. Deloitte also makes note that attention has been shifted away from things like prevention, and prevention would have been very impactful when it came to saving some of our hospital capacity. Now, from this, they predict two outcomes will occur, and we're actually seeing that already. One of them is the physical and mental exhaustion of the healthcare workforce. Yes, that is clearly a major issue right now. And later on, the fact that if one of these healthcare workers catches COVID themselves, they're going to be out of commission for a bit leaving further gaps in the healthcare system. And the second thing that they mention here is something we already covered, a growing backlog of healthcare procedures, people who weren't able to be seen during the peak of the pandemic, either because they didn't go in, or because they weren't allowed to go in. All of this is very, very concerning. This leaves us with one fundamental question, how do we adapt going forward? It's clear that the current approach of playing ostrich with your head in the ground, ignoring the problem is not going to do any good for us. The problems are very real, and a re-envisioning of the healthcare system in Canada is called for. Otherwise, I don't see how we get out of this, even without COVID. That backlog continues to grow. That's going to crush our capabilities. Investment, innovation, creative thinking, these are things that we need to navigate out of this problem, and I do hope that this situation has been a wake-up call to the government. And now with that, It does bring us to the end of our conversation for today. If you enjoyed the material, be sure to leave a review and share. They'll help us grow. And you can find me online at periplatform.org and on social media at periplatform. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you soon.